Hello, you guys, and welcome to the first episode of I Said What I Said. This is a podcast with Sean. Um, We're out here trying to kind of set a middle ground for a lot of the political issues that we have going on in today's society. And we kind of want to get perspectives from a whole bunch of different people to, you know, hopefully alleviate a lot of the hate that we're facing right now and a lot of the tension. Yep. I mean, we're just here. I've always especially in the past couple months, I've realized and looked into how divisive the United States has become with the way it discusses politics and the way it views politics as a game of tribalism and winning and losing. And it, I'm, I'm, I'm just sick of it. It just looks childish. And especially coming from the people who are supposed to be leading the free world, it, 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 it's almost abhorrent and disgusting. So... Hopefully, by listening to this podcast, you guys can pick up on just being nicer to people, realizing where people come from, realizing everybody has a reason to be right, or not to be right, but to feel as if they are right, Um, simply because we all come from different places, we all come from different experiences, and sometimes it's, it's it's, it's not being hateful, it's just... It's just not knowing. So, I mean, through these past couple months of me and Stefan talking a lot um, off of the podcast, just in our personal lives, I've learned so much and developed a lot in terms of my political ideology. So, hopefully, through this, we can entertain you guys and um, prompt some discussion and be an example of what good conversation in the form of politics can look like. Um but yeah, yeah. So, how would you? I mean, obviously, we took a political compass test together about a couple weeks ago. But how would you describe yourself politically? Definitely on the liberal side, but not you know extremely. Um, I lowkey forgot, but I'm at the bottom left side of the chart, mm-hmm. just ever so slightly on both uh, sections. Um, I'd say most of those questions that I responded to and the answers that I responded with, that was low-key stupid. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, my responses basically came from, you know, my base of my experiences growing up black in this country, um, realizing that this country, although may seem good on paper, really doesn't um, stand for everything that was written in our constitution as well as what's being, you know, the ideology that's being shoved down our people's throats ever since day one. So. Yeah. Yeah. And for the, for those who are unaware, the way the political compass test works is, um, it's a bunch of questions ranging from economics to social issues to like the sexual issues to it's a, it's a wide birthing test. And effectively the further it is a, um, it is a two axis grid and the further up, in terms of the chart you are, the more authoritarian you lean. The further down on the chart you are, the more libertarian you lean. And then obviously left for the more liberal-sided politics. And then right for the more conservative-sided politics. So, Stefan leaned... You leaned, like, left libertarian. Yeah. You were pretty pretty dead-set left libertarian, which I'm, I'm happy about. And then when I took it, I, I'm... 
I am on the line between right and left. Like, I think depending on my mood during the week, I can swing right or left depending on, like, what I've seen in the news cycle. But I am dead set libertarian, so that's always a plus. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, libertarian is the way to go. It really is. Just live your life. Don't fuck with mine. All right, so to give you a little bit more background into what we're about and, you know, our personalities and our, you know, um, political affiliations, I'm just going to go over a little bit of background information over our life and, you know, see what kind of moments steered us into the ideologies we have now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I'll start it off for I, I first got in, interested in politics and political figures, I would say about sixth or seventh grade. Of course, then we don't know anything about the world, so I was a very conservative. I will own up to it. I was a MAGA kid, but I can safely say, especially over the past couple months, I've officially and publicly revoked my my vote in the 2020 election for Donald Trump. But for a while, yes, I was a very neoconservative. I mean, I'm not going to fucking deny it. I watched the Ben Shapiro owns libtards compilations and stuff like that. Like I was, I was that kid, but I would say the major shift happened for me. I would say about sophomore year in high school, end of sophomore years when I really started altering. And a lot of it was based on the religious aspect of the right. I found that a lot of things were being backed for religious reasons, like abortion and a number of other issues were backed for a number of more Christian-based values, and I just didn't believe those values. So I started creating my sort my own value system that wasn't really based on any particular religious belief, and through that is where I found myself identifying more as a libertarian. Um, my views altered on abortion, although I still, I still hold some parts of those beliefs. My views have changed a lot in terms of issues of social justice, um, abortion, and a number of other more social issues I lean left on, but a lot of fiscal government issues I still lean very right on, but, um, yeah, so I would say about end of sophomore years where I began finding myself in this more moderate middle ground in terms of my my own political beliefs. Got you. All right. Um, sorry if you heard a little cut in the middle of it. I had to gather my thoughts for a hot second. Um, <laughs> my brain was on college paper mode. Um, college just messed me up and college papers have messed me up because I can just have diarrhea of the mouth and it won't stop until I catch myself. Um, but anyways... Um, I could say that I became socially aware when I was around 13 years old. Um, that's when I, you know, got to learn more about my people's history, more of the brutal acts that was committed against us. And it has changed the way that I've acted um, and responded to certain things. I started to really get into activism, joining oratorical contests and, you know, going to leadership institutes with, um, what's the word? with uh, black fraternities, some of the divine nine get affiliated with them. So it kind of helped shape who I was as a teenager Um, towards the end of high school. uh, That's when we dealt with the whole Trump election. And um, I really was just like, you know, 
Oh, that was a crazy time. Uh, my meme page is really racking up that after a, all the political memes oh and whatnot. God, that was a wild year. It was not a good year for me. It <laughs> <laughs> was not a good year for me. But, yeah, um, I was also doing Teen Court, which is where I really got to know more about Sean. Yes, sir. Um, those are good times. Those are, those are those are peak times right there. Yeah. I, I love I loved that program. Yeah. Um, but it was just like, it was through Teen Court where I learned that, like, there is a system behind everything. And once you learn how to, you know acknowledge the system and manipulate the system that's when you can be able to make a big change from there so i started doing a little bit more research not into like the democratic party but as well as a uh, conservative movement and republican party and you know come up with some thoughts and ideas of my own um when i was you know socially aware i would say that i was easily you know swayed by democrats but when I became politically aware, I started to have my own say and my own thoughts and my own ideologies. Um, and I'm thankful to have that sense of self now. Because if it wasn't for that sense of self, I wouldn't be able to make conscious decisions that could potentially better my people in the future. So, yeah. Um, I could say that I'm still very much so liberal. Um, and I'm also pretty libertarian and somewhat socialist when it comes to you know money simply because i know about the systematic oppression that was used against my people and in no way shape or form could we ever you know compensate you know black people and native americans through reformations so reformations reparations reparations, reparations. So oh my gosh i'm really tripping over it. right now don't worry about it that, that, so, that's so, yeah. the beautiful part of it man this is the raw yeah the raw kind of sort of we're not going up here with fucking speeches written this is just yeah, whatever comes to mind, it's exactly. just coming out. Exactly. But yeah, it's like until my people, you know, are back on an even playing field, I'm still going to stick to some relative socialist ideology. Uh, ideologies, you feel me? Yeah. 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 I. I so. <laughs> so in our in our personal exchanges, you make a lot of. Marxist jokes or a lot of Marxist remarks in terms of just like just fucking burn it down so like are you one of those people who sees change through invading the system and working on it from the inside out or are you one of those people who has reached that point where it's just like fuck it burn it down rebuild it I'm a by any means necessary type of person at this point <laughs> <laughs> like um, I don't know if that's much of a joke. Um, I, I mean, that, that's real. If you keep joking about it, it might be serious at some point in time. But well, um, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, that's why I love that. Is it's like okay, we're gonna go the relatively peaceable route. We're gonna try and fix this system, but at the end of the day, if shit doesn't change, pick up the torches, pick up the just fucking go at it. So. I, just yeah. come closer to the mic, sir. That's a okay. Listen, all right. My bad. Um, but um, it's like if someone can go in, you know, get elected, go into the system without being influenced by whatever respective party that they're going to be representing, um, and genuinely make changes for everyone to benefit from, I'm okay with that. Um. I would not like for this country to enter into a state of, of violence, you know, 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with, you know, terrorism, like acts of terrorism. I don't want to see my people burning down buildings. I don't want to see, you know, white supremacists getting alarmed and, you know, getting their guns and going crazy on innocent people. Um, I, I don't want to see any of that. I want there to be change, but if change won't happen for my people, even though we've been oppressed for so long, there may be no other option. We've tried the peaceful protesting. We've tried using our rights. And time and time again, we've basically been told that using our rights won't get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, Second Amendment rights, what does that mean to a black person? You know, Mm -hmm. you get shot down by not even carrying a gun. You know, you are protecting your homestead and you get no justice whatsoever. That's a conversation we can we, we can, can have say that, that. Con- yeah we, we can, can have, have that, con- that conversation another day but um because yeah. uh-huh. I've I've had a couple internet debates I'm shameful to say but I've had a couple DM wars about that whole scenario but that's one thing like you you mentioned that earlier whenever you talked about you you didn't just look into democratic values and the Democratic Party but you looked at the Republican Party and I think that's a very important thing to highlight because the real way to oppose an ideology and to win a debate or to even win people over it isn't just to shut them down it isn't to have those remarks that gets the crowd cheering or those gotcha moments debate and discussion is all about understanding who you are talking to so that takes research into who you might consider an opposition and I think that that's really important I think that what we're doing hopefully will become very important because you need to know the other side that's the ultimate way of defeating an idea you can't choke out an idea with whether it be censorship violence any of those measures so i think that's a really important thing to highlight and also it was interesting whenever i was a maga kid and I was super identifiable with the Republican Party. And you might be able to speak to this if you ever had these experiences. But I would find myself in a position where, say, the president did something. And I know deep down inside, I don't, like, I think it was a shitty thing to say or do. But I still felt like because of that, like, tribal identity with that group of people, I, st- I still felt like I had to defend it yeah. somehow. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's the Trump supporter. Like, like there is, like, I felt like there isn't any, like, giving, giving ground and saying, oh, yeah, that was just fucking dumb because that's like a loss. And it was like this tribal identity that you just have to keep defending, defending, defending. And eventually that finally broke. And that's what kind of led me into this moderate middle ground between left and right. Have you ever have you ever dealt with that scenario? Like whether it be with your ideology or maybe even maybe even like members of your own race, you know what I mean? Like you feel like you have to defend a certain group of people because you've identified with them so much. It's like I guess it was I don't even know how to explain it. Like I wouldn't say that I've ever, you know, took in the serious part of tribalism to that extent. Okay. And, you know, I guess it mainly was because I identified with the Democratic Party, and there wasn't really nothing to argue at the time. Like, you know, you had Trump's situation, like Trump's election, but, like, growing up, I was never in a position where I had to defend my ideology. Mm -hmm. Like, my ideology was never considered racist 
homophobic, misogynistic. There was yeah. nothing on my end to defend. Yeah. So I never had to argue. Um, as far as my people are concerned, like as a black person, it's like there are times where it's like I had to, you know, rely on ethics and logic to somehow convey an idea. But I don't know. There's never been any extremes that I've went through to try to defend someone. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Gotcha. So now you want to go through the news page and discuss what we're looking at? Sure. Cause so I'm seeing some, some headlines. <laughs> so right now, um, to kick off our first episode, we're basically going to go through some news headlines and, you know, just talk about the general scope of, you know, some issues that are going on in our society not necessarily talking about each individual case but more so the underlying factors that would have allowed a situation like this to happen yeah yeah just because in the future we do want to get into the just the depths of it in the nooks and the crannies but right now for an introduction and a general feel for who we are we're just going to go through a bunch of issues that are popular right now and just we're just going to talk about them we're just going to we're just going to have a general discussion about them. So, I am currently on CNN, the commie news network. Um, Nani? Okay, continue. CNN has a lot of deals with China. And they have been notably absent in the incrimination of China through whether it be, like... The issue with the, um, I can't remember the specific name, but the, the concentration camps in China mm-hmm. and a lot of the censorship, they have been notably absent in, and a lot of their staff has been advised to not talk about the Chinese issue because they hold so many deals over in China in terms of like production and stuff like that. Not just saying that from a, it's fake news. <laughs> like there's genuine, like genuine ties there. So. Um, let's see. Okay, this is a good one. So I'm just looking at the headlines. We can click on the story if we need more info. This town replaced some cops with civilians. Here's what happened next. How do you feel? Obviously, right now, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of calling for defund the police, which ranges everywhere from the extreme, um, almost anarchist mindset, which is like, just fucking get rid of the cops, abolish the cops altogether. And then there's some that's just like, no, just reallocate those funds into more productive venues. How do you feel about the whole defund the police? And if we do defund the police or even abolish it, what do you think the next steps are? All right. I need to, you know, kind of process my thoughts real quick because this (laughs) brings me back to the question that you asked me before about, like, you know, change and whatnot. We're at a point now where it's like, do we want to change the system or do we want to get rid of the system? Mm -hmm. I can't understand getting rid of the system but since we have nothing to fall back on and no structure to fall back on i would be satisfied with changing the system to make sure that it's inclusive of everyone and everyone's feelings um and i'm all for defunding the police and putting it into other programs that would help to get rid of the need for police you know yeah yeah um i am a totally a yeah, I'm totally against the idea of abolishing the police system in this country. Uh-huh. Unless if there is, you know, an effective law enforcement system that actually has a system of checks and balances. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that getting rid of the police is going to help because if we get rid of the police, we're going to have a lot more Trayvon Martins out there. Yeah, yeah. It's like you have neighborhood watches. You may have like a couple of racist neighborhoods and they have, you know, KKK members, you know, just protecting and patrolling their neighborhoods and whatnot. And I said KKK, not necessarily even in hyperbole in this, you know, even in this year, it's not even hyperbole anymore, mm-hmm. but it's like you may actually have people with racial biases with no training with guns making decisions on their own with no way to put them in check either if they yeah. kill the wrong people or, you know, do anything that's out of pocket. So, yeah. yeah, I stand generally like I think it falls whenever we talk about the prison system and we talk about rehabilitation versus just straight up punishment. I think this sort of falls into that discussion in terms of let's try and do everything we can to prevent people falling into that world of crime rather than just sweeping them up once they get to that point like let's prevent it let's get ahead of it through whatever it may be uh, uh, organizations or funding certain neighborhoods um etc etc i know i've seen i've seen a lot of potential solutions um unfortunately nothing from congress that has particularly excited me but yeah i i fall along that general line of i'm I don't think I could ever fully fall into that Marxist category of just fuck it, tear it down, and just build something new. Because at the end of the day, whatever whatever system that comes through, even after in the ashes of whatever it be, whether it be the American judicial system or whatever it may be, it's still run by humans. And there's still going to be flaws and there's still going to be problems. Not only is it going to be ran by humans, but think about the humans that would run it too. Exactly. We're still in a country with a lot of economic disparity mm-hmm. and it's really, and it correlates, you know, with race as well too. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, let's go to the police system. Who's going to be the people in power who are going to create the new system? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You really want to have, you know, the Trump administration create a new system of law enforcement right now? That's not mm. necessarily what we want. Um, <laughs> Like, yeah, that would be that. that, And that's the thing is whenever you create a power vacuum and that and it happens a lot in the Middle East, whenever you whenever there's an absence of power, a bunch of different forces rush to fill that vacuum of power. And in some cases, it is very bad people. I mean, we saw it in World War Two with or not even World War Two, but in post World War World War One Germany. There was a lack of power. There was a lack of ability to really do anything. And somebody really bad and really terrible took that position and utilized that time of downturn. And obviously we had the Holocaust because of it. Not that I'm not that I'm saying, oh, yeah, if we completely abolish the police, we're going to see the massive persecution and execution of millions of people. But it does happen to where. Whenever you take something away, whenever you dismantle a system, it creates a vacuum of power. And people people need people at the top to organize things because we're not a very organized group of people. I mean, there's so many Americans, like, we can barely all get on the same page with fucking masks, like, in basic sanitary guidelines. Like, we we can barely do that. Okay, don't look at me. There's a reason I haven't bought into that, and it's because... People aren't doing the shit right anyway. So, I mean, I don't know. You want to discuss that? Yeah, uh, um, that's like a one-on-one type of conversation. That ain't for everybody to hear. All right, yeah. all right. Um, I mean, as far as masks are concerned, I feel as if, like, 
a simple precaution would be nice. Yeah. And it's like people really irk my nerves and they're like, I'm not wearing a mask. You saw the new I posted. It's like, I'm willing to die for my country. I'm willing to go to war for my country. I will stay in a bunker and everything. America. Could you please wear a mask to protect yourself and others? No. You're impinging. What? You know what? I hate it. So I low key want a cat scan so bad. My money, where it's supposed to be at. Yeah, and like, you're infringing upon my freedoms. And like, I'll, I'm going to be outright with this. I don't wear a mask. I don't take a lot of precautions. Okay. Uh, part of it is a personal decision, especially when a lot of this came out. I was the libertarian base came up whenever I started hearing about these mandates. I'm like, all right, let people make their own decisions. If you want to walk out with no fucking mask and you catch COVID and it becomes an issue, perhaps we shouldn't feel so bad about that case. But I have had conversations with people who have families in the healthcare industry, and it's not for them, it's not as much about those people catching COVID and potentially dying. It's more about exacerbating the issue that we already have in our healthcare system. So I do understand that aspect of it where it's not oh, we need to protect the populace. It's more the people who, like, still have to work, especially in the healthcare system, they're kind of just at the will of the people. And I understand that, but, I mean, I was reading reports that upwards of 60% of Americans aren't wearing the right mask. They are wearing it incorrectly. Like, and I and I talked to you about this earlier um, this week. When I, I, rec- I recently acquired a new job, And in order to get that job, I had to take a urine test to, you know, make sure there were no drugs in my system, et cetera, et cetera. And in that office, in that about hour or two hours I was there, I I saw what actual social distancing looks like. People are standing at weird parts of the room, mask on, gloves on, putting sanitizer on the gloves after touching everything. And we are nowhere fucking close to that. Between the reuse of masks wearing the stupid shit where people they wear the mask below the nose like we are nowhere close to that and in terms of safety I mean like that is just as bad as going out without a mask on so I would much rather just own up to it and just I'm honestly at the point and I contemplated this for a while I would be generally speaking okay with catching covid getting it through my system experiencing it and then just developing the antibodies because i believe that especially right now we need to shift into a strategy from the retreat that we have been in for the past what how long has it been like six months Mm, no like four months okay four yeah four or five months and then i shift over to the idea of herd immunity and just getting the population the antibodies people are going to be hospitalized people are may pass away but we need to move into that strategy of herd immunity in my perspective like i kind of understand where you're coming from and i've been thinking about it too because i really don't want to trust the government as far as giving out you know vaccines you know i'm no, God, no. it gave black people syphilis i i don't know how i feel about you know <laughs> vaccines like that do your research on the whole Tuskegee experiment. Please do your research. But, um, bye, Boomer. Oh, yeah, we have a dog. That's here. not the Boomer. Yeah, Pickle has walked into the room. Hey, bud. Hey. Here, go ahead, talk. Okay. Um, I have some questions for you, actually. 
but um yes as so quick question so just because no one else does what they're supposed to do you Mm -hmm. think that gives you the right and ability to not do it yourself too i don't think it gives me the right i'm just at the point where you don't care i don't i'm not i'm not gonna deny i don't like i do still show a general respect to people's space and you know just the basic fucking hygiene shit that you should probably just practice in your regular life you know like just covering your face when you cough um basic stuff like that like if somebody is making an obvious attempt to stay distance from people i'm not just going to be that asshole who like walks past them and brushes past them but i understand that we're still we're not even close we're not even close whenever it comes to like if you if you were to actually put in practice the mandates that are being put in place, whether they be on a state or federal level, we're nowhere close to them. Like, a lot of people, it's just a feeling of safety. It's just making them feel safer. And So, do you think that's like an American issue that we can't really satisfy those uh, mandates? Or I think, I think it is, because those masks are actually very particular. I mean, even some of the masks that, that you get that look official, they don't do a whole lot. Like the like they, they're some don't work against particulates. Some don't work against viruses. Like even the ones that look the parts and when worn correctly, um, they're they're not the right ones. Like a a lot of them, I've actually <laughs> I've actually learned to identify what types of masks that actually do the job. And I mean, if we were to go, if we were to go to Walmart right now, I could guarantee you that if we w- watched all the people walk into Walmart, over sixty percent of them are wearing the wrong mask. They're wearing it incorrectly, or they're reusing a mask. Um, I'm guilty of reusing a mask, but you know, yeah, like, like I love walking up to a place, and of course, but now, I do sterilize my mask, so we can talk about that later. On. Okay, and th- and that's the thing is, it's like. For me, it's your personal choice. Like when you, I mean, because you had little, um, because I, we, our family did have a Fourth of July celebration. It was it was relatively small. I had my girlfriend's family there. You celebrated the Fourth of July? Yes, sir, I did, and I, and I enjoyed it. I love. Oh my god, I love people talking shit about Fourth of July and then posting about their fireworks and all this other shit. Happy like, next time. <laughs> Stop. Oh wait, never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. I no, yeah, I didn't celebrate the Fourth of July. I was more referring. (laughs) Um, that particular person, Mm -hmm. um, was posting a bunch of shit about how setting off fireworks, like, like it's stupid to set off fireworks because there obviously there are veterans with PTSD and even animals and other people are just sensitive to loud, bright noises. But yet, this person was the one jumping up with the lighter to go light the big ass fireworks. <laughs> oh my god, that was so infuriating! I was about to walk down there and just like be like, "What are you talking about?" But aside from that, um, going going back to COVID, getting on a sidetrack here. Yeah, my bad. I I believe like you you have like I'd, I'm not gonna look at somebody who's wearing a mask and gloves and think, "Oh, you're fucking dumb." I mean, if you're wearing them the wrong way, like, I'm going to be like, okay, buddy, how how protective are you really being? But, like, it's your personal choice. Like, I'm not, I'm, and I, I'm not going to criticize people for taking the measures because obviously everybody's circumstance is different. Some people do have those auto, autoimmune diseases. 
asthma, things that might complicate if they did get COVID-19. But based on the research that I've seen, based on what I'm seeing from a majority of people, especially in our area, I think it's just a matter of time before it's normalized. It's normalized like we did the the flu. And I know the, I know all the boomers and the Karens who four months ago said it was just like the flu. But yeah, that that's my general stance. Is I, I don't. We're not actually taking safety measures. We're just looking like we're taking safety measures. And yeah, I'm definitely not one of those people who thinks I'm fucking suffocating because I have a mask on. Like, I'm not crying because I can't hold people's babies. Uh, but it, it's more like, it, it's more of a thing where I'm like, I feel okay in my health to where I could handle it and my family could handle handle it. And yeah, like, I, it, it's a personal decision for me. Like, if you can just mix the Eisenhower and Reagan presidency into one and make it three times as worse, that's what I low-key feels if we're going through with Trump's presidency right now. Considering what we're going through right now as a country, where it's like, oh, well, let's lift regulations, let's do this, and let's do that. First of all, our country is nowhere near prepared to handle a pandemic. I mean, no. Neither is our healthcare system. Really? I mean, we could have been more prepared, you know? We can agree on that, at least. I I mean, you can always be more prepared, but... I mean, it falls under that hindsight is twenty twenty. Like everybody was coming out, and everybody was criticizing the president. And it's like we haven't seen a pandemic in over a hundred years. And even when he did do things, he wanted to ban tra- travel from China. He wanted to do a few things. He was criticized for that because the criticism wasn't as much about safety. It was just more about this is a moment to get at him. Like when Pelosi came out and was marching through Chinatown calling him racist like sure maybe there were some racial implications but it probably would have helped too oh no i get it it's like my thing with like trump's situation though is like i don't have a problem with every single thing that he does i just have an issue with how he does it yeah yeah. how you rely on xenophobia in order to push Mm -hmm. your agenda that's the issue that i have with it because if you rely on xenophobia then not everyone's going to be on the same page and being ineffective at doing your job is a major issue that I have with, you know, Trump. Yeah. Just totally ineffective at doing anything, whether it's due to how you get a policy done or just not being what you represent or say that you stand for. Yeah, and, and like, going back to when you talked about the Reagan presidency, when he first ran, the amount of similarity, like, he was branding himself as a Reagan-esque conservative, and it bugged me a lot because, like, Regardless of his politics, the way Reagan spoke and carried himself, and just he was just charismatic. I mean, he was a movie actor. Like he was like all of the clips. Like I remember there was a clip from him speaking in Russia. I want to say, and somebody like I guess popped a balloon in the hall he was speaking. Mid speech, he looks up. He looks at the guy. He goes, "Missed me. Shoot again." And then he goes back to his speech. And it's just little stuff like that. Like Trump isn't that. He's he's off-brand Reagan. That's what I've always maintained, even when I was a MAGA kid. Was like, you're not Reagan. Like, like just stop. So you like Reagan? I enjoy what Reagan did in terms of conservative politics. He is the one president that I, he he revolutionized conservatism. 
for me. It became less about because there's a very key difference between conservatism and traditionalism. And he made that switch from traditionalism to conservatism. And so I appreciate that. And I appreciate who he was as a person. I mean, I did a research paper on him for American history. And he's genuinely an interesting person. And I can say that he was a genuine person. From understanding his background, understanding his childhood even. Like... And I'm probably going to catch flack for this. He was on that same genuine level as Bernie is for me today. Like, when he said something, he genuinely meant it. Even if it was, like, kind of... Okay. Um, I mean, my... even if it were it, even if it were off-kilter, at least I can say... It's way easier to say, oh, yeah, he genuinely believes that, and he's not, like, playing to a crowd like I think Trump does. The ghosts are my ancestors are, you know, screaming right now. <laughs> the black man that was low key killed under his um, presidency are screaming right now too. Listen, uh, if he, all he's gonna do is move some colored pencils. Then. <laughs> yeah, be careful what those colored pencils may move to, sir. Um, I'm gonna wake up with colored pencils in my eyes. But yeah, um, my issue with Reagan's presidency is like, like Trump, his presidency, and the way he directed this country into this, you know sense of like internal you know turmoil that's the issue that i had it was during reagan's presidency where our country really started to see a spark in like you know police uh reform mm -hmm. it was like when you know the cases started getting publicized about black men getting gunned down you know by police innocent black men especially um it was through you know reagan's presidency and his influence where california the best you know police force in the entire country at the time started to just totally you know attack my people mm -hmm. and you know frame and do a whole lot of like heinous crimes and he did nothing to kind of like gaslight a lot of the, you know yeah. the ignorance and hate towards my people and it mm -hmm. was through the total misdirection that he you know started where like we have the black lives matter movement today yeah like i don't hate the black lives matter movement i support the movement but i'm just saying due to the failure to acknowledge that we had issues in the past mm -hmm. and perpetuating that anger and that fear and that opposition towards one another in this country yeah. kind of set the tone for what we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. Since, you know, Trump is like an off-brand Reagan, as we call it, you know, yeah. that's just an issue that I just can't really seem to get over. Yeah, My mom was, you know, one of the people who marched, you know, in D.C. to get MLK Day, you know, recognized, mm -hmm. but... It's literally the same thing right now. Literally the same thing. It's like, oh, Juneteenth is now recognized. Like, literally the same thing. Um, oh, my God. Where it's like, you're giving us, like, you know, scraps off the table. But you're not giving us a seat at the table. You're not allowing us to, you know, genuinely fix issues and problems in our country. But just kind of biting everything. Just so it explode again in your face. That's, a, that's the thing I wanted to talk to you about, too. Because... Um, I don't know how much you follow sports, but a lot of sports team recently, especially the Washington Redskins, um, have been under fire. And obviously there's been like Aunt Jemima has been removed. Uncle Ben's is being uh, reviewed. To me, when I see that, like, I think there's a difference between systemic change and symbolic change. How do you feel about those images being removed? Does it really mean anything to you? Like for me, it's just like, 
Okay. A nigger loves watermelon, you know? <laughs> um, you shouldn't have laughed, but um, my thing with all of this well, is I'm like. be the fucking woke white woman who's be like, um, sir? Like, no, I'm going <laughs> to laugh. Um, my issue with all of this right now is um, it's still not enough. Yeah, like, exactly. It should be done, but it should be done, you know, as a response to a change in the system. Mm-hmm. Not that. And then, you know, not change the system at all. Like, we want to, you know, see a genuine change. You know, Aunt Jemima, she ain't killing my people out on the streets. Yeah. Aunt Jemima ain't got nothing to do with that. You know, Uncle Ben, he ain't got nothing to do with that either. God, Redskins. Wait, Spider-Man will never be the same. Oh, my God. He'll never be the same. <laughs> this is why your audio feedback isn't coming through. But um, Okay, listen, it'll be all right. It's just, like, my issue is, is, like... I feel as if those things should be changed, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the major symbolic things that should be done is, like, getting, getting rid of Mount Rushmore. I know that sounds bold. Okay, it sounds big. Okay, hold on. Wait a minute. Let's let's discuss this. Why? So, first of all, who's on Mount Rushmore? Let's think about this. Obviously, there's Washington. Lincoln is on. Lincoln, Roosevelt, and... Is it Jackson? I can't remember, actually. Do you know? Or are you just testing me? I'm sure it's Jefferson. Jefferson? I wanted to test you. I'm like, wait, I'm not sure myself. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Le- Massive sculpture, South Dakota. George Washington, yep, Thomas Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. All right, why do you think that should be ter- torn down? Because I think it's just a major slap in the face for the indigenous people here and my people too, where mm-hmm. it's like you literally take, you know, a sacred landmark of the natives and just build a huge friggin' monument of the people that oppressed them. Literally, you know, declared war on them and, like, you know, killed them and, you know, basically, what's the word I'm looking for? Ushered the genocide of their people. Mm-hmm. I think it's just atrocious in my personal opinion. Like I said, that's my opinion. You know, it's like you say with liberty and justice for all, wait, that's the... Pledge of Allegiance. Hmm. Somebody's been conditioned. <laughs> oh, you, almost, you almost put your hand on your heart there when you said that. Yeah, that's part of the thing that's bothering me right now, too. I can't stand this country at times, but <laughs> you know, it's like everything that that Constitution was written and stood for is based off of a lie. It was mainly meant for, like, white men at the time, at least. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, people don't take into consideration you know, the slave labor and, you know, the atrocities committed against, like, multiple groups to get the country that we have today. And I'm not saying we should totally forget them, mm-hmm. but I'm saying we shouldn't put them on a pedestal for creating this country. The the, the reservations I have about that, and especially, see, the way I've begun to view the Constitution is it's not the end-all, say-all. It is the goalposts that we should aim for. Like that document, we should idolize it and understand that at that point we were not there, but that's what we should work towards. I got you. Freedom and justice for all. Every man, every man, woman, and child created equal. All of those ideals. Um, and those individual men, while they were not perfect by any measure their ideas were in fact revolutionary true and 
the United States is a very unique place in terms of the ideas and the way it's developed and the, the values it is based upon. Freedom of speech is unique to only the United States. Well, I won't say only the United States, but to primarily the United States. The Second Amendment is unique to the United States. Like All of our rights and the way that we came about as a nation is so unique to our own country. And while those men, obviously a lot of them owned slaves and had very troubling past. And took the slave, I mean, the teeth from slaves and, you know, put it in their mouth, you know, creative veneers. Yes. I mean, it's like, my thing is like, you know, I'm cool with them, you know, getting some respect, you know, mm-hmm. they can have something, you know, we have the George Washington monument, Abe Lincoln monument that could be in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. I just felt like, you know, it was majorly disrespectful to have that monument built in such a sacred land for the original owners of this land, you know? And I, But can't you use that argument for the entirety of the United States? Excuse me. Can't you use that argument for the entire I mean, we can use the argument for the entire United States, but not everyone's ready for that discussion. Yeah. It's like we can't really, you know, give that land back. Like, how does one really compute how to give them back what they owe? I mean, yeah, because even if you were to tear down Mount Rushmore, it's not going to look the same. You know what I mean? Like, you blow out those faces. Like, it's gone. Yeah, it's gone. But that, it will never quite be the same. You know what I mean? And, like, even if we did what we're trying to do now with a lot of the Confederate monuments and we just move it, you're still cutting a chunk out of that mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I personally would never like to see it go. I think it's, I think, honestly, it's, I try to appreciate the more tasteful monuments because I think, especially with the Founding Fathers, it is much easier to argue that the culture was a lot different back then. Excuse me? Continue, my bad. The cult, the culture was a lot different. So when we discuss a lot of them owned slaves, etc., etc., it was like, yeah, but almost everybody owned slaves at that point. And I know that sounds like a very neocon argument, but, I mean, it's true. It's true. I totally understand that. But, like, it kind of delves into, like, a thought and ideology that I was coming up with, too, is, like, I don't want to say white validation, but white justification. It's, like, mm-hmm. you know, people try to justify actions by saying, oh, well, it's the culture, you know. That's just the culture at the time. Like, you know, you shouldn't feel as, like, oppressed about it anymore. Like, look at what they've done now. Yeah, we have what we have now, but at the same time, it's, like, people lost lives. Mm-hmm. A whole culture was basically destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, those people tortured others and didn't think twice about it either. Mm-hmm. They literally lived under this mentality of, hey, um, what am I trying to think of right now? We're different. Mm-hmm. Black people aren't people. Mm-hmm. Native Americans, they aren't real people. They're better off dead. You know, that's just something that I have issues with. We can idolize a paper, you know, but I'm definitely not going to sit here Myself, at least. And I wouldn't encourage it on anyone else to do it either. And I'm talking to you because I feel that we can have this one-on-one discussion. We can't sit here and glorify these men who don't, you know, live by what they, you know, stood for, apparently. I think, I think, I think, I think it's hard to just, like, with any figure, I think, especially with the way you and I have grown up politically, it's hard for either of us to completely buy into really any person, like Democratic, Republican, modern, old day. And I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and 
look away from those atrocities and those issues but they they sh- I almost I almost see it in a sense of acknowledgement and whenever I say acknowledgement acknowledging everything you know what I mean like because you can't just like it I will I can sit here and I can talk about how much I loved what George Washington did and I think we should go back to what a lot of his basis was I mean he believed in no parties no political parties in the United States he had a lot of very revolutionary ideas that unfortunately didn't carry through in his predecessors um, Abraham Lincoln obviously literally the only time that this nation has ever been in a civil war and he somehow managed that and I mean he was killed for it um, I don't know about Andrew Jackson Andrew Jackson is one of those ones where like yeah he played a very key role key for the streets but yeah he I, I can't speak too much to his presidency he doesn't deserve anything but I think idolizing is a thing that you can hardly do with any political figure because everybody's got a history. I think acknowledgement is far more important. And when you acknowledge somebody's pluses, you have to acknowledge what else they have done and learn from them. So I'm going to try to put this into other perspectives. So do you think Christopher Columbus should have a day dedicated to him as well as, you know, monuments dedicated to him? I really... No, see, my, my beef with Christopher Columbus is he found it by fucking accident. Like he, like, wow! Holy shit, <laughs> sir! Fucking Apple owners. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, but yeah, the other thing too is R. Kelly. Do you think we should mute R. Kelly for the same principle? It's like, although he didn't necessarily, you know, enslave a whole bunch of people. Well, technically. Um, it depends on where you stand in your connection to him. Because, like, I grew up being, like, reading about these men and understanding the Constitution. I took, I actually took a couple summer courses on the Constitution and how important it was, obviously, to American history, but how, in, how every little word, every detail, every amendment was thought out for months by dozens of men and how... It was a end goal and not necessarily just the beginning. Like, all right, all men are equal. Snap. Like, that is an end goal that everybody should work towards to achieve U.S. Constitution. But, I mean, referring to Columbus, no, I don't give a shit about Columbus. I mean, he was, I think he was Spanish. He was some Spanish guy who was aiming for India, and he missed. He's not that incredible. He he really isn't. What he did is not that incredible. It was a fucking accident. True. I don't I don't believe Columbus. Columbus is not like I'm not like oh man he did an excellent job. Like there's no good part to his story. Well, I mean technically he kind of you know started colonization. If it wasn't for colonization, we wouldn't be where we are today. I mean yeah, but the way he found it, like <laughs> the way he oh, the way he got here, like it's it's not like he was like I'm going to set out on a daring exploration. To find land that has never been found by European powers. That would be, if that were clear and distinct, that takes balls. Because for all you know, I mean, there's nothing else out there. You know what I mean? Like, sailing off into the ocean looking for unknown land? I mean, there's no telling what could happen. But he was looking for India. 
and he never found India. That's why they were labeled as Indians yeah. because he thought he was there, and he wasn't. He fucking missed. So I don't I don't view Columbus in that same light at all. But referring to R. Kelly and even like some other, um, even if you want to go even darker and say figures like Stalin or Hitler, I think a lot of it depends on your connection and your knowledge of that person or that event. So, like, if you grew up listening to R. Kelly, like, um, one of our teachers. I mean, I grew up listening to R. Kelly, too. Yeah, one of our teachers. They uh, grew up listening to R. Kelly, and it's hard to just say, well, shit, I can't listen to that anymore, you know? Um, so, that's where I think acknowledgments. It might storm. Acknowledgement of that person is more important than idolizing. Because I think idolizing is sort of like a, it puts the blinders on. You see all the good stuff. You see all the flashy stuff. And that's how I was with Trump for a while. But idolizing is like you put the blinders on and you focus on the good stuff. But acknowledgement is this person has done this, this, this. And either you can still come out with a positive outlook or eventually if the bads add up, you just have a negative outlook yeah, on that and, person. And that's the issue that I have with you know our founding fathers of this country is like we literally – idolize and provide even positive connotations yeah. for these men. We lie for these men to make mm-hmm. sure that they maintain the sense of power. It's like George Washington had wooden teeth. Did you know that boys and girls? They weren't wooden teeth. They were the teeth of slaves. It's like my oh, issue is so is like morbid. you can't just sit here like I understand that we have a lot nowadays. But coming up from my experience, like just as a black person, and that's why I'm so adamant about it, is like they wrote that piece of paper, and we have the Declaration of Independence. You know, my people didn't get that sense of independence, yes. a sense of it, like a hint of it, mm-hmm. until 100 years afterwards. Yeah. You know, and even then, we still weren't considered equal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the 1860s where we actually had some type of legal representation where we had to add on to that. Mm-hmm. Even though it says, you know, uh, justice for all and everything else, too, we still weren't considered people. We still weren't, mm-hmm. you know, considered worthy of said justice. They had to add it. That you can't judge against someone for their race, sexuality, religion, and everything else, too. It's like, they said it, but they didn't mean it for everyone. And the fact that we have to literally make adjustments and amendments to it to this day because people fail to acknowledge that that applies to everyone is something that bothers me. They effectively did not do their job and establish and set that tone for everyone. Mm-hmm. Although they laid, like, the foundation, I guess. Mm-hmm. They still didn't mean it with themselves. Like, they didn't mean it for themselves. And I understand that, and I do. Like, whenever I talk about this type of stuff and I talk about my liking or my favorability toward a lot of these older characters, I do try to consider I am am an individual who has favored more from the system. But I think... Whenever it comes to figures like George Washington, Theodore Roosevelt, um, any of those figures who have monuments, we just have to acknowledge every aspect of them. And that and that's what I think creates this difference between us, is you come from a group of people who, even when that was written, you didn't see that, right? My... I mean, it's rough saying my group of people because for all I know, my great-great-grandfather was some poor farmer who was like, what the fuck? But 
I think that's where that's where like our backgrounds and even maybe even going deeper than skin color creates that difference in opinion and in viewing of like things like Mount Rushmore or any of these monuments or even like Fourth of July. Like we were talking about, like you told me that black people just take the day off. Like it's not even really symbolic. Yeah. Because but, yeah. Continue my bad. But I would say that that is in I mean it, it was just a different time period and when when the founding fathers wrote the constitution they considered everything almost everything in the future and to have that foresight to write things in like the first amendment so that one day maybe not today all religions will be acknowledged forms of protest will be acknowledged to have that foresight and and that's what a lot of the constitution was based on was trying to predict any future events that may happen and trying to make sure that these rights are locked in for these people maybe not today but maybe in not the today future. yeah I, I i get that i do um i get that but i'm not going to reiterate you know yeah, this yeah, before it's like you know they going. said it but they didn't yeah. believe it you know yeah um and it wasn't really meant to be inclusive so we can just agree to disagree as far as yeah. like you know how we celebrate it it's just like my issues is like i feel as if especially the fourth of july is kind of like the epitome and it helps people to like kind of understand and it raises the question is like what are we celebrating with uh, mm-hmm. independence day um our national anthem still refers to slaves in its entirety and it's like you know you want to say oh, i'm celebrating for veterans but you know kind of acknowledge the sacrifices that were forcibly you know done and taken away in mass numbers mm-hmm. like i try to say this to help other people understand let's just say that there's someone who's immensely stronger than you a mm-hmm. lot more powerful than you. There's no way you can mm-hmm. ever match up to them. The totally different system of ideologies that came to this country, shot everyone dead, mm-hmm. raped your mom, raped your sister, even your brother, if they're into that, you know, just totally killed you off, enslaved you, made you do all the hard labor for them so they wouldn't catch heat from, you know, the country that they came from or the nation they came from, and mm-hmm. then decided to bring you along for the ride and say, we're fighting for everyone's independence win the war, betray your trust, and just totally end you off. Mm-hmm. Like, that's essentially the story of the natives. And it could easily happen to us, too, if we're not careful. Mm-hmm. And it's like failure to acknowledge that and failure to have that compassion for other people and just blatantly just raising your fireworks up and reenacting someone else's PTSD and whatever else. Like, I mean, of course, I, I, I don't... I don't share this, like, blatant patriotism. Oh, no, I'm not talking about just country. you. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. talking about, like, you know, people in yeah. general... With this blatant patriotism that's, mm-hmm. you know, increasing the sense of ideology for our founding fathers without mm-hmm. really thinking too much into the things that they've done and without educating yourself as to how this country came to be. Yeah. Like Thanksgiving wasn't, you know, the natives and, you know, the pilgrims getting together and having a day of thanks and saying, thank you. Let's have food. <laughs> thank you for the traits. Thank you for everything. Let's just have fun together. You know. I'm just tired of this sense of desensitization. I'm tired of this culture of idolizing men who genuinely didn't have everyone's best interests at heart. Yeah. 
and I'm okay with having a day. Yeah. But I don't like it when people are so, I already said it, I don't like it when they're so strong and passionate about mm-hmm. Independence Day, yes. I, I, and I, I definitely took this weekend to think about that because um, I, I am somebody who holds my nation in strong regard. Um, I thoroughly believe that in terms of other nations in the world, we are one of the best and we are one of the greatest. And But that comes with an acknowledgement of how much struggle there has had to be to create change. But the thing that I the thing that I thought about this holiday weekend and kind of became my answer for people who like to challenge um, celebrating Fourth of July. At a certain point, obviously, change needs to happen. Change needs to constantly be occurring. We are still not at that optimal place in society, and arguably there may never be a perfect equal because everybody everybody's um ideas of equal are a little bit different right right i think at a certain point every now and then you have to look back and yes there's a lot of ugly and there's a lot of terrible but our nation is still very much an infant in terms of world history and the fact that we have made so much change in what is really arguably a short amount of time it's something to be proud of and it's something to cherish a little bit, you know? And that change and that um, history has all been based on the rights that we were endowed upon and the culture, the national culture that we were endowed upon by those forefathers regarding the ability to go out and protest and the ability to go out and change things and the ability to go out and even bear arms and fight against your own brother depending on what side of the nation they were on the ability to do those things has created that um culture of change because even at the end of the day if those forefathers didn't mean what they and didn't mean what they wrote in the declaration of independence and in the constitution those documents are so sacred today that or at least they have been sacred even when like say for instance when African Americans in the civil rights movement were protesting even when that right to protest was challenged judicial courts uphold that because they understand that that is written into the constitution and there's a reason it was written into the constitution and that's what pushes forward this change in American history. So looking back and this holiday weekend, it's been more of a taking a break from criticizing the country and looking at all the bullshit that's going on and all the stuff that needs to happen and all the evils in the world and even in our country. And just appreciating for half a second, we've come a long way. And arguably, while there is still a lot to be done, we've made a lot of progress. It kind of, kind of reminded me of a conversation I had with someone back at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much longer we may talk on this episode, but uh, what what time are we sitting at? Um, I honestly have no idea. We're at um, 
1900 bars at 120 tempo on a C major. That doesn't really tell me much. Um, I don't know what time I got here, <laughs> but yeah. Um. Oh yeah, that is not helpful at all. Wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. Yeah, none of this is helpful. Beats in time. Oh, we're only at an hour. Oh, lit. Okay. So, I guess you can talk for like another thirty minutes before we end this conversation. But, mm-hmm. um, if we had a choice, would you have made that choice? What do you mean? But what? What's the choice to be made? So one of the major things, although it's not the exact same case, mm-hmm. is like I had a conversation with a friend back at college, and he was like, "Well, look at your people now. It's like black people are Christians now, so it all worked out in the end, right? Like, look at us. We have AC now, so you know it all worked out in the end, right? Look at you know our capitalist society. It all worked out in the end, right? Look at where we are now." I think the big thing with that is this isn't the end. This shouldn't be the end. It's not the end, but the benefits that we have now, I guess, or that we're looking forward to, we're still not there. We may not Mm -hmm. even live to see it, Mm -hmm. which is the unfortunate thing. My people, when, you know, my ancestors, when this Declaration of Independence was written, they never got to see this sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, the Native Americans, the ones who lived in this land before colonizers came over, they're not going to be the ones who ever see this independence and this freedom. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the choice if you know someone came to your doorstep and asked you do you want to see a nation of independence do you want to see a nation of freedom you're never going to live to see it everyone that you know is probably going to die the culture that you have today as you know it will cease to exist forever and you will never receive the justice that you deserve for generations your eighth generation may not even get a chance to see it you know Mm -hmm. um it's an issue that I have mm-hmm. where it's like this was something in a decision that wasn't consciously made for everyone that it affects. Like I could be in a tribe in Africa right now mm-hmm. and there may be some issues that I have with the society, but overall, since I was raised in a different set of values, would I have an issue with it? Would I care? Would I be proud of it? You know, the fact that I don't have that choice to be a part of it, as in so many other people don't have that choice, is something that bothers me a lot. And, you know, as someone who, like, looking at you, you've benefited a lot from the system. My people on both sides of the spectrum have not. And not being able to make that conscious decision where we wouldn't know the trials and tribulations that we have to go through to get to this point in time. It's something that hits different. Mm -hmm. And we had that discussion where there needs to be a bit of a change in the discussion when referring to African-Americans as like your, your people, they weren't immigrants. They They weren't, they didn't make that choice. And I think that's what you're getting to. And that's why I've begun trying to view issues as American issues. And I know that I don't see color, but I try to see them as American issues because I feel like, and it, and maybe maybe I'm a piece of shit for viewing for having to do that to view it that way, that way, but I see a lot of these issues as a group of Americans being unfairly targeted or a group of Americans not getting justice, and that kind of 
it makes it stronger for me to work toward those issues. And I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. I mean, it is a, it is a black issue or even in some cases it is in a uh, native American issue or even, you know, whatever group of people is suffering. But that's what I think. That's how I think the discussion needs to be framed as a group of Americans is being treated unfairly. We need to stop that. We need to stop viewing it as, or at least maybe not even stop viewing it, but I feel like when especially older generations view it as a black issue or Bailey's a women's people <laughs> view it as a black issue or a women's issue or anything like that, it disconnects you from it. It's very easy to disconnect from it. But she when you understand, more. oh my God, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually say that at any point, or is that just... Oh, yeah, I was having a little... So, I know, write your thoughts down, because we might get sidetracked for a hot second. I was having a little mini-argument in my mind. I don't even know where it came from, whether it was, like, a co-worker from work said some shit that bothered me. Excuse me, Jesus. Judeo-Christian country right here on a Sunday. Um, My issue was just, like, oh, she was wearing that. She's asking for it. You know, even to another discussion that I've had, you know... Danielle Bergoli, you know, at, you know, dressing the way she dresses, she's kind of asking for it. You know, she's asking for that kind of attention. But it's like, we may say, oh, kill me. <sighs> just kill me. Just end my yeah. life. Like, that's just a form of expression of how we're feeling at any particular time. Yeah. I understand that this is, you know, verbal expression versus outward expression. But no one genuinely expects to get raped. No one genuinely expects to get sexualized. No one genuinely expects to get killed when they say, oh, kill me. Yeah. Oh, God, kill me. And then you get killed. It's like, wait, 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 what, Nani? <laughs> it's like, yeah, someone could literally verbally ask for something, and it's not like you genuinely should give it to them. Well, not literally. I think that's important because when you say, oh, kill me, that's not literal. That's figurative or just a phrase to speak. Someone may take it seriously, you know? Well, yeah, 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 but when you say it, you're not literal in saying it. I think that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, I'm not literal in saying yeah, 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 yeah. it, but let's just say I'm not in the right mental state and I say yeah, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Should you kill them? No. <laughs> or let's just say a woman is drunk and she really can't make the right decisions at the right point in time. Should you have sex with her? And that's where, like, I, I've i had this discussion with my girlfriend quite a few times about um, good men challenge bad men. Like, you don't just stand aside... And, like, the whole idea that, oh, it's a boy's thing or something like that. I do think there are some things that are, and we can get into this discussion um, in one episode. There are differences between men and women. There are inherent differences. Yes, there are. There are biological differences. There are psychological differences. But there isn't a rape gene. There isn't, like, a piece of our brain that, I mean, sure... There is testosterone and and stuff like that, but there's also morality and just basic human decency, and that's why like like good men challenge bad men, and I've and I've started developing that a lot more. Um, like when I see stupid shit, I've started calling out stupid shit, um, especially especially a lot of racial things. Like if I notice like mm, this conversation is going in the wrong direction, I'll put a I'll put a finger in there and maybe not just be like well that's racist but try and be like hey and just bring up a different viewpoint because I mean sometimes I'm not in a position where I can 
just outright say that. Yeah, I got you. Like I I'm, I'm understand. Like I'm new. I'm new to this uh, job that I just got um hired for. Every now and then I'll hear some off the cuff shit about women, and I don't quite feel like I'm there to where I can be like, "Hey, don't fucking say that," you know? Because I'm the new guy. I'm trying to make a first impression with some people, and you don't want to be that. Like, I don't want social justice to be the first thing that people think of when they think of me. I mean, are all first impressions, you know, um, meant to be made in that kind of context? Because I ran into that same issue, like, at work. Um, It was, like, the first or second day over at Office Depot or something. And there was a guy that came through, and he was, like, women running for president? Oh, my gosh. My coworker just chuckled and whatnot. And, like, you know... I just felt awkward. I didn't, you know, put him down or anything, but I wasn't, you know, encouraging that behavior. And it kind of, you know, takes me over to, you know, silence is violence at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But I've come to that point where if you do something that's out of pocket, especially towards women, yeah. I will say something. Mm-hmm. I will be bold enough to tell you straight to your face, hey, what you're doing is wrong and it's perpetuating a rape culture. Mm-hmm. All right. Just because you walk around shirtless, does that mean a guy can come in and, you know, anally penetrate you? and touch your nipples and grope you and whatnot that's not something that should be you know passed on in our culture anymore like that's Mm -hmm. not okay yeah and that and that's like like uh i remember my grandfather when i would go up to to illinois to visit him for the summer and and my grandmother um he would always tell me stories about because he was in the air force and every now and then there would be that guy that's just off because i mean the military you get a couple of those and like there's one particular instance where a man a a soldier was rather abusive to his wife and so he used to tell me stories i'd be like we would check him and we would tell him no you don't do that shit and then when it persisted they said they one night they lined up of course they have the bunk beds and i might be paraphrasing this a little bit they tied his sheets to the under piece of the bunk bed because obviously all the beds have their boards underneath them. They tied him down, soap in the sock, and everybody got a lick in on him. And they never heard about that issue again from his wife. So I, I, I stand by that. That good, good men check bad behavior. Like it, it's not just all right. I'm gonna treat the women in my life good. It's you make sure that you you're like, hey, dude, cut that shit out. And that's why, that's why, like, I can't hang around with a lot of guys sometimes. Because there's such this, like, bro-ish mentality. And I get it sometimes. You're like, oh, she's hot or whatever. But, like, there, there's a line. And you, it, and, it, and you can't really describe that line. But you know it when you hear it. Or you know it when you feel it. Or you see it. Yeah, or you feel the atmosphere. And it's like, okay, this is becoming not okay at a certain point. So, like... Good men check bad men very quickly. Right, and that's why I didn't pledge. Oh, wait, uh, pledge? fraternities. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah Even I amongst the divine nine. Although they're not as bad as, like, the white frats from what I've seen. Like, I don't mean to separate <laughs> it, but it's like, you know, well, there's a very distinctual difference between the divine nine, well, you know, fraternities of the divine nine, and then, you know, white frats and white frat parties. Um, divine nine still has a lot of their issues as far as gender roles and society is concerned. Yeah. But... I know at least the alphas have some sense of, like, women need to be respected 
although their position in society isn't going to be the same as yours, mm-hmm. women need to be respected nonetheless, and you need to be at least in a position to provide for her. Yeah. Yeah. So the societal context, although it's not something I identify with, they at least go into like you know a thing of respecting women, as with yeah. other fraternities in the divine nine. Gender, gender, and um, sex roles is a very interesting discussion because there's a lot of there's a lot of different hypocrisies on either side I would argue but we can get into that um I I still don't like I am going to come at this with a respectful attitude got you but there's some there's some calls and there are some issues where it's like okay where are we going with this so I mean we can get into that discussion and I, I definitely have to do a little bit of reading and refreshing but I've seen some Moves where it's like, okay, really? Sexist air conditioning. <laughs> oh my gosh. My anatomy will not allow me to live under these conditions. I don't appreciate it. It is sexist. I yeah. <sighs> Liberal Karens are in a whole different energy. That's who Malcolm X was talking about when he was referring to the white liberals. Karens have existed in Karens come in a variety of shapes, forms, fashions, body types, and everything. Um, I don't know which Karen I dislike more, whether it's the liberal Karen or the conservative Karen. Conservative Karen will probably get you shot. Has a higher chance yeah. of that happening. Yeah. Liberal Karen can also call the cops. But I was about to say, liberal not- Karen will get you shot just by men in blue. That's <laughs> but liberal Karens, in order to keep their clout, they won't be calling the cops as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe that inner... Okay, I'm not going to talk about that that much because it's kind of generalizing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. um, see, now I stopped myself. Got to check <laughs> yourself sometimes. Um, but, like, I'm taking back to a conversation that I also had in college, too. College is, like, the breeding ground for um, not only children, but conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. I met someone I went to school with in high school, mm-hmm. at school, and she was um, talking about how she herself felt very insecure about black men. Mm-hmm. being around specifically black men clinching her purse and all of these like innate tendencies to do things that exposes her internalized racism mm-hmm. so and as far as society would be concerned she's definitely the liberal Karen type if mm-hmm. she were to fit that description Yeah. as far as I may have been concerned I would have said it outright then and there <laughs> but um Liberal Karens, I have a little bit more respect for them because they're at least going to be willing to have the conversation yeah. before something happens, but I don't know. I don't even know where I was going for with that. It <laughs> just came to my mind. That's the beauty of this first episode. We're just, gonna be, we're just talking. We're just talking. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to need for you to let me finish before you give me a face or say anything. I'll just cover my face. (laughs) I'll just be like. Racism. Fuck. Racism isn't. Doesn't inherently make a person bad. But and what I mean by that is. A lot of people like a lot of it just you haven't been exposed You've been in a bubble of, say, family values, 
stuff like that. Like there are plenty of people who have these stereotypes of certain groups and it's just because they haven't experienced those groups. Do you get where I'm coming from? I get where you're coming from. So yeah. hold on. I was about to come up with a whole, I was about to write it down in my notes just to <laughs> calm down and, you know, kind of break this down. So the statement you made was that racism isn't, inher- whoa. It doesn't make people inherently evil. It's just sort of in, I, I think in a lot of cases, it's just those, pe- the people who hold these prejudices or even just these stereotypes like you, you said with um, this particular person, I think it's just because they, a lot of people haven't been exposed to those groups of people or even they were raised in these family settings where there was a particular narrative about these people. And a lot of the times just exposure and just experiencing the um, different groups of people kind of chip away at that. Yeah, I agree, but we also have to address some other things to associate with the statement you just made. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that, you know, one person's ignorance isn't inherently bad. You know, two people's ignorance is inherently Maybe bad. That, that's what I but collectively, ignorance. collective yeah. ignorance that is stemmed from racism mm-hmm. is bad. Yeah. Totally just bad. Um, so... When you say ignor- a collective ignorance, would you be referring to a chosen ignorance, I would say? People who are selectively ignorant, now that's their evil. Yeah, yeah, that, that's just... Selective ignorance, that's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's foul. But mm-hmm. as far as, like, people who just don't know any better... Yeah, who just... I will... Personally, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, mm-hmm. and I'll try to be that person who kind of breaks it down. Yeah. But once they show a lot of signs of selective ignorance, where it's like they're not trying to hear it, yeah. then I'll be like, okay, well, you fit the rest of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and your pain is the breaking of the shell, which encloses your understanding. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to hurt people to, like, you know, kind of break that sense of self that they've identified with for so long and Mm -hmm. finally acknowledge that, hey, I've done wrong in my life. Hey, I have made assumptions that could have potentially gotten someone killed. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's just say you call the cops on someone and you got that person shot down. Like, ignorance, you can't... It's hard for me to just say separate the sin from the person. Mm Mm-hmm. Because if the person keeps on continually committing that sin, it can have terrible repercussions in the future. And I think that's where it would be chosen ignorance. Because it's very hard in today's society to not be exposed to certain cultures and certain groups of people, especially black America. Because, I mean... No, but then there's another thing, too, that I kind of want to mention. I'm sorry. Write that thought down. Um, You have the Lucifer effect. We've had this picture painted against us for so long that Mm -hmm. a lot of us have started to believe it. We're not smart. We can't read. We can't do this. We can't do that. And, you know, I've dealt with other people, and I think I see the text conversations too, where she was herself believed that black people aren't worth anything, and they're never going to do anything for themselves. Um, that per- culture that gets perpetuated through ignorance and just shoving it down in people's throats, and it keeps on getting spoken over someone else's life, they're going to mm. believe it. Okay. And that's something that bothers me a lot. Um and it's just that, you know, people bring numbers into everything, too. It's like, okay, well, look at the black poverty rate and black unemployment rate and this and that. Mm-hmm. It's like, of course, they're just lazy. They're not doing anything for themselves. But it's just this culture. 
in the system that holds black people back and has historically held people back for, me back mm-hmm. for so long where it's like you don't even know if it's just a person or if it's the system that's holding them back too mm-hmm. and people will use statistics garnered by the system in order to justify their ideologies and thoughts as to why black people are you know the way that they are because they've yet to see what a black person is like and if they see what a black person is like and they're not necessarily the most affluent person or if they come from a certain community that's going to do nothing but justify their racist thoughts and ideologies Mm -hmm. like they see a black person with their pants sagging they're instantly going to feel intimidated they're instantly going to fear be fearful they're instantly going to think so many different thoughts of how this person could be a bad person or carry drugs Mm -hmm. without even getting to know the person and it's sad but that's the truth of our society right now it's like a cycle i don't even know how to phrase it it's literally like a cycle that's not been broken yet Mm -hmm. where ignorance leads to misconceptions which leads to loss of opportunity, which leads to more conceptions. Another example, I guess I could try to bring it up. I'm terrible at doing this right now, but <laughs> you have a black person, right? And since this white person who's, you know, the boss or manager or supervisor at some corporation, sees this black person, um, and they have this internalized, you know, racism and the stereotypes of this black person can't do anything. They're lazy. They're not going to hire that person. Yeah. So what in turn are they going to think about themselves? What is a black person going to think about themselves? It's like, oh, I'm not worthy. Yeah. I not enough. So I just won't be anything. I mean, we see that in the criminal justice system. Like when you when you constantly tell somebody they're a criminal, they're a felon, they're a criminal, they're a felon. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. You're going to be there's a high probability psychologically that you're going to become that person. And I think that's kind of what you're saying with the Lucifer effect is when you've been painted in a certain portrayal, odds are some of those people are going to fulfill that that uh, that image. Right. And I've been in a very fortunate position where I had like been able to avoid that prophecy from other people, yeah. you know, and it's sad, but it's mainly because of the culture expects that out of us. Mm hmm. And since they're not going to do anything to help us get out of our current situation, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a mixture of self-fulfilling prophecy at this point, because there are also some black people who just lost some motivation and the energy. Mm-hmm. But there are also a lot of white people putting this pressure on them to not amount to anything. So mm-hmm. it's a lot. And my butt hurts. <laughs> Yeah, one thing um, I've been reading and listening to a lot of Daryl Davis. I've I've mentioned him to you before. He's the black musician who's yeah. actually converted um, indirectly or directly over two thousand clans members since I would say the early two thousands. And one of his big um, bi- his his key ideologies is how can you hate me if you don't know me. And I think that's a very important thing to try and develop because we as humans, when we see people, we judge them. I mean, that I would argue that that is across races. That is just a human trait. And part of it is animalistic. And we see something, we judge it and we try and get ahead of what this person's going to be like, what they're going to behave like, et cetera, et cetera. But we can alter collectively, especially as a nation what those conceptions are like if we if you see a shady figure you move away from them 
like like that's that's inherently human of course in some cases that it's not right um but I think as a culture and as a nation, we can definitely alter to a more accepting and a more, I don't want to use the word progressive. Progressive gets used too much. Let's find, hey um, Siri. <laughs> hey Siri. Siri said, fuck you. Oh, here it goes. Give me a synonym for progressive. I'll use, I'll, I'll use ideal. Ooh, he's Yeah, I'm good. I don't want to use anyone. Um, I'll say a more ideal um, world where we view people, or at least we take a second to challenge how we inherently view people. Because those those stereotypes that we label on people that we just see walking up and down the street, they happen like that. It's not it's not like something that we really think about. It's just it's, it's just triggered into our brain. It's a it's a switch almost. And I think that will inherently remain in us because it's almost an animalistic instinct to have. But I think what's more important is the the afterthought to think, perhaps not. Perhaps that person isn't that way. Perhaps they're different. Perhaps I just, like, yeah, just move on with my day. But this person isn't a threat or they aren't a bum or something like that. Like, it's it's more about that afterthought of addressing how you perceive this person inherently and then um, just moving on with your day. So yeah, it's I, just like my thing, though. My bad for cutting it off. Go ahead. Um, it's just like in today's society where society itself has kind of like molded this culture of like, oh, black, maybe you need to look twice into him. Maybe you need to spend a lot more thought into, you know, thinking of whether or not he's supposed to be here, whether or not, mm. you know, his presence is, you know, warranted for something. Yeah. Like, if we can just get rid of the racial association with it, I mm-hmm. think we could do a lot better. And that's just part of the system that we have today. Yeah. We typically like to associate race into anything that may be inconvenient to someone. And I can attest that that's happened on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But, like, just getting rid of race while not being colorblind when, you know, judging people and, you know, categorizing them. Yeah. It's acknowledging our differences but still accepting them. Like, a, a big part of my personal ideology has always been not what somebody is or what somebody believes inherently. I think the real way you understand people is why. So even if I, because I mean, my job, I work with a lot of ex-felons who have done what some people would perceive to be bad things. But hearing their stories, I think it's important to ask why that person believes it. And it goes back into that um, lifestyle of just inherent ignorance why does that person believe that is it the way they were raised is it the culture that they were brought up in and that goes across lines black white woman gay straight whatever understanding why a person believes what they believe is so much more important than just attacking what they believe or what or who they are yeah and addressing the culture 
Yeah, like even even the worst of people, neo Nazis, KKK, anarchists, under like why? Like what is your history that led you down this path? Why do you believe this? Um who influenced you to believe in this particular set of extreme values? I believe that's far more important to addressing the issue and fixing it rather than just saying, Oh, he's racist, obviously that's terrible etc etc how did he get to that point where he holds or she holds that very specific set of nasty views i think is the most important part and it's how you get to what the issue is um daryl davis talks a lot about it and a lot of these people especially nowadays are just like a lot of these alt-right individuals or even alt-left are just people who they're loners they don't have a lot of friends they don't feel like they're accepted or they belong and then you have these groups at the bottom who almost sort of collect these um these outcasts and they uh they give them a place to belong and i would say it's the same way with um um criminal activity right you you fall through the holes or you've been stuck in this dead end area where there isn't a lot of opportunity and you reach that point where all right like the, the people take you in and they make they make you believe these certain things and you live this lifestyle and then eventually you're just ingrained in it so i think understanding why and how these people got to where they are with their ideology or their actions is way more important than just understanding for face value who they are today so yeah, I mean, I would, I kind of, this question was kind of boiling in my mind while you were speaking. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like when you meet people as a black man, like you have to put on, you're like, okay, I need to be a good representative of my race. You know what I mean? I think we might have had this conversation before. Um yeah, I'm not going to sum up on our older conversation that we had, but mm-hmm. I've definitely felt like I needed to be a good representative of my race. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I also had to get noticed, especially in front mm-hmm. of white people. And a lot of black people do this for different reasons. Other black people may do it to feel included, but I feel as if I need to do it for representation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be that person that breaks that mold and lets them to understand that black people are smart, intelligent, have the ability to be whatever they want to become. And we're not all gangbangers. We, everyone in the black community doesn't smoke weed. Not everyone listens to trap music. Not all black people say the N word. I listen, like I watch anime, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I try so hard to like get people to understand that not all black people are the same. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't have this preconceived notion that all black people act a certain way. I hate the microaggressions. I hate it when people tell me, oh, you don't act like them. You don't act like other black people. You know, you are so articulate. I've never heard a black person speak this type of way. That sounds so terrible. I've Jesus never heard Christ. a black person talk to me in this kind of way and actually break down issues to me like this. I've never dealt with this kind of situation before. Um, 
and, and, and those people saying that for face value, I mean, that is a pretty, it's like, come on, what the fuck? But like, I understand that they may think it's a compliment. Do but. you think, do you, cause at a certain, I feel like that can almost become like, if you're, if your goal is to be a, an excellent rep- representative of an intelligent, articulate and productive black citizen, do you ever see that as sort of a good thing? Like you, you when that person talks about you know oh I've never met someone so articulate of of your group of people like yeah on the face that's a fucking terrible thing to say but is I it mean, ever like good I put on that image and showed you you know like you broke the mold like I'd say that that happens probably with one out of four one out of eight white people I may meet okay. for different reasons I get different results I get the oh. That's just him. He's different. You know, oh all other black people, they're still under the same category, but he can sit with us, you know? Like, sometimes they'll try to select me and treat me as if, you know, I'm one of them. Yeah. I'll disassociate myself and culture. They are essentially colorblind to me. <laughs> yeah. Then you also have people who will genuinely accept me for the way I am and will open up the discussion mm-hmm. and will try to understand me, my traumas, my pains, the things I see and see things through my perspective. Yeah. And then there are also the people who just won't care or will try to, like, you know, say those things and just not care. Yeah. Or say it for face value just to make it look like they're not racist. Yeah. You know, like, it's all dependence on the situation. And I must say at least 80% of the time, I would say that I was ineffective in what I was trying to do with my new persona. Um... And Daryl Jones is the name of the singer, right? Uh, Daryl Davis. Davis, my bad. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about him, too, and I kind of get fearful for black people who... Every black person who goes around a congregation of white people will probably be one of the only few black people that they will ever see in their entire lives mm-hmm. or ever be exposed to. But um, I've seen people from early college who are terrible black people, in my personal opinion. They will totally disrespect black women. They will totally say, if it ain't white, it ain't right. You know, Uh, and they will perpetuate this culture and they will basically side with white people. And white people will be like, you know what? Black people just aren't that bad anyways. Maybe they're on to something. And they'll be on the train for the wrong reasons. They will have been listening to a black person whose ideology is totally messed up. Mm-hmm. And that's a big issue that I have with a lot of the influencers today, especially Kanye West. But that's a whole other conversation. Kanye, he might run for president. At this point, I don't know whether this is a joke or to take it seriously. I don't either. <laughs> um, Loki might save the 2020 election, but I don't, I don't think so. It's a little bit late. But proceed, proceed. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if there's anything else to proceed with. It's just like, I know that there are a lot. My thing is like, if I'm the only black person that a white person or a Latino person or Asian person may see in their entire lifetime, what do they see? Yeah. I want to make sure that that image is good. So maybe just maybe when they go out on the streets, they won't look at a black person for what they may see out on pop media and pop culture. They'll see them for who I was. And maybe that could save a life one day you know maybe they can think oh you know what he's probably not carrying drugs you know 
Stefan doesn't carry drugs around like that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he doesn't listen to trap music. Maybe he's not, you know, into gangbanging. Maybe he's smart. Maybe he's educated. Maybe he's, you know, trying to feed his family, you know? Yeah. Maybe he's trying his hardest. Maybe he doesn't have it like that. And just because he's black, I think differently. Mm-hmm. Like, I try so hard, not necessarily at all the times to put the persona up, but just to be that positive representation that people need to see. Mm-hmm. Because I can tell you that there's a lot of black people I would not like to see <laughs> go in front of a congregation of white people and yeah. gaslight them into a whole different situation or make problems for the community even worse. Yeah. Um, Owens. <laughs> the eyes roll and it's like Ooh. even you know matter of fact, I ain't gonna talk, uh, say all that cause yeah, I don't wanna be shady cause don't throw off don't get off course um it's just like so oh my gosh you know what <laughs> women who go out with stink weave have no home training women who go out with bonnets and like you know sweatpants and pajama bottoms have no home training like white people you know she's so unkempt black women need to hold themselves up to a different standard and everything else I'm like if you're going to go in front of white people talking like that, disrespecting black women, disrespecting black men, oh, you know what? He deserved it. His pants were sagging. So, of course, you know, police should have checked out, on, checked him out, you know, searched him and whatnot. You know, maybe he shouldn't have been selling cigarettes like that. Then mm. there wouldn't be any reason for the police to come after him like that. You know, there are black people who are like that right now. Mm. And that's just like on the whole Coons perspective. Excuse me. But you also have um, the black validators. Yeah. Well, they're validators, too, in a different way. It's like, oh, you can say the N-word. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Say it as much as you want. What's good? What's up? Like, say it to me. I can say it back to you. It don't matter. It don't matter to me. We good. Like, I don't want to be that black friend that validates bad actions, either. My mother did a really good job of protecting me from that. Because I... Uh, I spent a lot of my childhood in like bad Durham, like it was the ghetto. Like, like, I, and it, if if anybody doubts that, they can look it up. Oak uh, Oak Grove Elementary School in that whole neighborhood. I was probably the only white kid for about ten miles. Um, but like, cause, cause we had we had a bunch of friends in that neighborhood that would come over, like. They were they were great people. Like yeah, there was a lot of crime, there was a lot of shady behavior, but like they they treated us well. I mean, I had a lot of very interesting characters in that early part of my childhood. And a lot of a lot of like my friends or even older 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 African Americans would come over and like I remember my mother telling stories about like they would come over and they'd be like, "What's up, my N word?" And it, and she would, she would tell him. She was like, "Don't don't do that, because if he goes to school, thinking he can say that, he's gonna get his shit kicked in." Because you know, I mean, I'm fucking maybe seven or eight. I just hear things and I'm like, "Cool, cool word," you know? Yeah. So she, there was always a really good distinction between me and them and like yeah like it's 100% okay to like she used to let me hang out with the neighborhood kids we had um plenty of babysitters from the neighborhood that she loved and trusted and uh that took care of us on her date nights and stuff 
but there are some things that they're going to do that you can't do in the same light. Like you, you, like if I were like, sure, I grew up in that neighborhood for a short part of my childhood, but you doing some of the things they do isn't going to be perceived the same way. You know what I mean? Right. Like saying certain words, using certain slang, it's going to be like, oh, that's the white boy that's, you know, adopting the culture. You know what I mean? And, and like, like some, some of these yeehaw kids do, which is yeah. fucking incredible to me. So my, my mother was always very good about making sure there was a distinction between you can't do the same things that they do or you can't do say the same things they say and have it be accepted the same way because you're still the white kid. You know what I mean? And I know what was me, the poor white kid in that neighborhood, but I was raised the right way in terms of like, yeah, like go, go to their, go to their birthday parties, like hang out with them. Um, I was able to ride my bike freely to a certain extent. I hung out with neighborhood kids, but understand that you're still different because of like your skin color you can't say the same things they say you can't do some of the same things they do just because it's going to be perceived differently you know yeah so like I, I can I can say like there were definitely like maybe not even not even like they understood what that could have potentially done to my character and like the things I did or say but there's definitely like that there was definitely like that that misunderstanding of if I were to carry that sort of behavior throughout my lifestyle to today, it, I'd be a vastly different person, and people would treat me vastly differently. You know? Yeah. So, I and I'd st- yeah I see that a lot with like enabling white kids, especially white boys, to say that type of shit and do that. Type Saw of shit enough of that at early college. Woo! <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, what are we sitting at with the time? Um, We're at one hour and 45 minutes. Uh, you want to wrap this up? Not yet. I have one okay. question for you. Um, Shoot. So, I meant to ask you this before. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been victimized by the black community? Um, I would say it's a... I was a very nerdy, pudgy kid. I watched Minecraft videos, so I got bullied all around. I would say growing up in that neighborhood, there were definitely kids who took me under their wing, especially in in Durham, actually. It was was vastly accepting, which, thinking back on it now, it could have been so easy for me to be, like, picked on and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, I was... Like, I, I was in one of those rare situations where the white population at my school wasn't the dominant population. And, like, I remember seeing, like, the only white people I would see in my day-to-day life, just, like, being at home and stuff like that, would be the gardening crews who took care of the evicted houses. Like, and I would always, like, look at them and I would always be like, oh, so they exist. But when I moved into middle school, there was definitely more of that sort of... And once again, I don't want to be like some, oh, I'm a victim, but there is definitely more of that, like, 
white boy, you can't do this, white boy, you can't do that. And to a certain degree, it was good and healthy for me. Like, because once again, it was going through school, like, the predominance, the people who I, like, who were the cool kids, you know, they listened to a certain type of music and behaved a certain type of way. And if I tried to replicate that, you get called out for it and you get fucking checked for it. So to a certain degree, there was that. But I think it was good for an understanding of we come from different places. We are inherently different people. They're raised in a different culture than I am. I can't just adopt that and walk around and do that stuff and have it be perceived the same way. So, yeah, there was definitely that. But I think it was healthy. I mean, I mean, that like that wasn't I mean, these middle school kids, they probably weren't like we got to make sure this white boy doesn't, you know, look like a fucking idiot whenever he's older. It's probably just inherent bullying. But I view it as a as a healthy thing and a good thing for my character today that I wasn't just able to adopt that type of culture, walk around, carry it, think it was okay, and then move on to, like, this point in my life or even my adult life still carrying that as if I were of that sort of lifestyle. Because whenever I moved into middle school, I did live in a nicer house. I mean, it wasn't huge. We lived in a small town. But, I mean, at no point was I ever, like, drug dealing, fighting, doing any of that. But I was raised around that sort of environment. So, it, it was a healthy thing. Like, yeah, there was a lot of white boy this, white boy that. But I... Yeah, I view it as a healthy thing, and it protected me from thinking it was okay to say certain things and do certain things and behave a certain way and dress a certain way and, you know, what's the word for it? I think the term is wigger, right? Isn't that the term for it? I guess, but, um... I, I don't know a term for it. Appropriator? Yeah, nobody knew that term in middle school, <laughs> but... That that is a that is a term that I heard in middle school at least when kids actually like really tried to push that trying to act that particular way and trying to adopt that culture that's the term that I heard in middle school. So. Imagine trying to be a maga wigga. Well, well. <laughs> well, when I say middle school, there I would say sixth grade. I went to a public school and then we moved to Lewisburg and set. And then we moved to Lewisburg in seventh grade. So that sixth grade year, there was definitely a lot of that. Like, white boy this, white boy that. You can't do this. And I was always like, well, why not? You know? Because, I mean, I'm fucking young. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, yeah, it definitely, it was healthy. It was good. And I'm glad that it happened. Yeah. So. The reason why I asked those because, like, you know, you had your MAGA phase and, like, <laughs> I wanted to see if it was, like, black victimization that kind of made you feel that that was a way out or something that made you want to invest into that type of ideology. No, I think the, I think the, sorry, I think the, I mean, I, I, I am raised in a predominantly conservative household, so, I mean... I think it, I think it eventually it was just a coming of age thing where I started. I I always felt a certain draw to politics, and I mean when you're young like that, you feel like 
you know, you can say whatever. I mean, fucking middle school kids are ruthless. Donald Trump was the epitome of a middle school kid just as a presidential candidate. So it was, it was just like, oh, you can't handle it. You're a snowflake. You're like, you're whatever. So like, like Donald Trump is the middle school bully of politics. So I was in middle school. I mean, it just kind of appealed to me. So were you a bully, sir? I mean, no, but it was like that, that middle school vibe of just like, fuck you, you're a pig. And I was like, yeah, get them, you know, because I was in middle school. I didn't know any fucking better as to like what the, what the societal implications are for the things that he's saying and like the widespread impacts and especially being exposed to black issues. Like, yeah, I was exposed to African-American neighborhoods and that lifestyle for a lot of my childhood, but I didn't understand the background behind it. I mean, a lot of the people I knew in those neighborhoods, they were, they were at least from when, whenever I would, you know, go to like birthday parties and stuff, they were happy people. They just enjoyed life and it was really cool. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I was a kid. You can only understand, you know, your brain can only withstand so much. So yeah, the, the manga thing definitely, it, it wasn't race related as much like it wasn't like I've been bullied by black kids all of my life here's my chance to get back at them the south will rise again type of vibe but yeah it was it was just more of a the big brash personality was just appealing so yeah I'm sorry you didn't need to hear that ASMR of me cracking my knuckles <laughs> I keep, like, looking away from the mic whenever I, like, I'm swallowing because I, I do have a drink right next to me because I don't want to get, you know, in the fucking mic. All the audio files are going to be like, this is fucking garbage. At least it's separated into left and right audio mics, so you know where it came from. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So is that uh, is that all you want to do? I think that's it. I think we have a pretty decent first episode. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of this was just off the top. Kind of just discussing. Hopefully you guys got a a general idea of who we are and what the goals of this podcast are. Like I've said before, in the future, we're going to be more targeted and more direct with the issues we're discussing. Um we have no particular schedule for this in terms of releases because, I mean, this is... Rona. <laughs> well, this is... Midst of economic downfall and disparity, probably. Yeah, this is, this is predominantly just... And... What's the word for it? Fuck. A, a release or... A relief for us, um, I would say, so... No particular, like, upload schedule or anything, but, yeah. Anything you want to say before we outro this? I ain't got nothing else to say, but, um, thank I don't know why I'm thinking about food. Oh, my gosh. Um, let's talk about childhood obesity and America's weight problem in the next episode or something. So can I. Literally, I can come at it with a democratic point of view where I talk about emotions and feelings and whatnot and experience and it's like i was a, i was a you know a part of that statistic i was morbidly obese as a child <laughs> yeah i don't know we'll have to 
We'll have to discuss it. And when we release this thing, I mean, obviously, we've got all our stuff we want to talk about, but it'd be cool to take suggestions. Yeah, give us some suggestions. Y'all already know our social medias at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. Or should we create an Instagram account for this? Yeah, we, we should create an Instagram account. We're going to create an Instagram account. We're going to, like, leave it in the description or something. Uh, yeah. Check us out. And we... Now that I had to get a new fucking Instagram account. Did you see that I followed you on it? Uh, I followed your spam. We can deal with that offline. Yeah, this has been the the first episode, hopefully, of the I Said What I Said podcast with uh, Sean and Stefan. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, today was just kind of a introductory episode, just talking about us, talking about our childhood experiences, talking about whatever comes into mind. So in the future, we will be focusing on very individualized issues and really getting down to it and even doing research and just being more targeted and what we talk about today was just kind of a whatever comes into mind type of day so um hope you guys enjoyed hope this audio isn't too terrible and um yeah you got anything you want to say stefan no all right well peace bye see you